Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. The future is really bright because you're going to have the ability to have imaging systems that are literally tailored for the thing that they're doing. You individually are going to be able to go and to now take care of your health in a more transparent way. Welcome to Newsday, a This Week Health newsroom show. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Special thanks to our Newsday show partners, and we have a lot of them this year, which I am really excited about. Cedar sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum Healthcare IT, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSite, Lumion, and VMware. We appreciate them investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, onto the show. All right, it's Newsday, and I'm excited. I am joined by Cameron Llewellyn with VMware, one of my favorite nerds. Is it okay if I call you a nerd? Please. You and I can geek out. You're director of healthcare ISVs for VMware. It means you work with the ISVs for VMware. You look at a lot of really cool stuff, I would imagine. You look at a lot of these startups, and I would imagine spending a lot of time with AI type solutions and whatnot. We're going to hit on some imaging AI stuff today, and we're going to talk about your friend, Larry Ellison, your friend. Yeah, my friend, personal friend now. <laughs> personal friend. Let's start there, actually, because you're coming back from Vegas. So you're out at Oracle's conference, That's and right. Larry Ellison is now, in your words and mine too, he's an influencer in healthcare. He owns one of the major EHRs in the space. What transpired out there? What'd you hear from Larry? Yeah, so I went to Las Vegas to represent VMware. I had a speaking session to talk about VMware's ARIA product and extensibility. And of course, I went to the keynote to hear Larry Ellison, this influencer that I, again, am getting familiar with as we all are in terms of what he plans to do with Oracle, but then also specifically in healthcare. And what was crazy is that the benefit of genius like his is that if, if you're looking at healthcare from a database perspective, that is in some ways very new right? We've been looking at patients and we've been looking at patient records and we've thought about how we improve the clinical environment, but interoperability, how applications really access that, the speed, some of those things haven't been front of mind. And so when he started talking about what the database is going to do for healthcare, removing the walls between clouds, your data actually being your data, it was really cool because again, he is approaching healthcare from the perspective of someone who sees data as a superhighway and wants to have everybody travel on it. Yeah, it's interesting. When you talk about that, what I hear is patience. So the patient's going to benefit from this in that it's going to be a lot easier for me to get my record. I'm not going to have to go in and do all the things I normally have to do. Now, people will say it's gotten easier. You could just go to my chart and get it, but you can go to my chart and just get your my chart data. You can't get anything else. It turns out that over the years, I've seen a lot of hospitals that aren't Epic only hospitals. So Help me understand, and I don't know if he shared this or if he, he sort of looked at this, I assume he's talking a lot about data and interoperability, which is what you shared. Is he talking about AI as well? Yeah. So let's let's kind of look at it like this. So have you ever had a, a suit tailored? Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the reasons why you have to go and get a suit tailored is because it is going to fit you. 
It is something that's designed for you. Now let's think about the same thing being a database or your data, right? Unfortunately, right now, the way the healthcare system is, your data is over here, data is over there. You talked about my chart, not being able to really get something that really speaks to you. Larry Ellison talked about data in a cultured way, almost like for medical imaging, right? He wants to tailor the database to be able to find cancer earlier or for you to be able to know changes in your growth pattern that maybe are distinct from anyone else in the world. And he's accomplishing that because of something that's actually really old. But again, we have not approached it from a healthcare perspective, which is the vectorization of databases, right? So when you think about medical imaging, we started with 2D flat x-rays and we're looking at gray and then the density of a particular area is where you're trying to figure something out. Well, we already knew that machine learning could do a great job at like picking out density better than you, right? Then and with less errors. But now when we think about instead of going from 2D to 3D, and if we think about instead of really just going from gray into color, then we start to get something where spatial reasoning becomes another aspect of, of the way that you would read an image. And again, machine learning is going to do even better than you can imagine. So the future is really bright because you're going to have the ability to have imaging systems that are literally tailored for the thing that they're doing. And as a result of that, you're going to have better clinician support, but really you're going to get a better journey as a consumer of health. You individually are going to be able to go and to now take care of your health in a more transparent way. Yeah. And one of the stories, CBC News AI shows major promise in breast cancer detection, new study suggests, and every study that comes out, it's just more and more promising in the, in the imaging space. And I'll be honest, the customizing the database, customizing the approach, I'm going to have to research that a little bit. It's a new concept for me. It's a new way of thinking. And I'm really gonna have to explore that a little bit. That's interesting that the progress AI is making in imaging is interesting to me. I was talking to somebody and they said that the thing they're most excited about is not somebody comes in today and it does the imaging and it helps the radiologist to look at the image and say, hey, this might be that kind of stuff, sort of AI as the co-pilot to the radiologist. But the thing that he was really excited about is he said, look, we have 15 years worth of images and we can now send this thing off into a room like it is a trained radiologist and That's it right. can then go look at all those images and say, did we miss anything? That's right. But again, it can say, did we miss anything? But again, that's a version of like supervised learning, right? Unsupervised learning is you're just going to send the images into the room and just say, do you see anything? And yeah. what it could come back with in terms of patterns is that is unbelievable, right? Ezra was an organization that was got FDA clearance for an algorithm that I believe looks at prostate cancer better than, again, so when the algorithms are getting approved by the FDA, the standards are going up, but we're talking about, again, things that they had been looking for. The perspective of all these other organizations getting in using all of their images is that we have a faster rate of improvement around all aspects of any image that they've ever taken. And so that doesn't mean just because like we were talking about breast cancer, if I take a picture of my ankle because it's broken, well, guess what we're looking for? We're looking at the ankle as it's broken. But now with this, you would have the ability to look for other things that were wrong that we weren't even thinking about at the time. It's a perspective change because it's not going to look for the thing that we humanly were looking to fix. It could see something before it's broken. It's interesting when I saw the Gartner now has an AI hype curve, a specific AI hype curve, and then they have the different AI technologies on the hype curve. What you're talking about, this computer vision and the ability to look at images and stuff, this is way past the trough of disillusionment. I don't think people recognize this has been around for a long time. We're, when we're right. talking about generative AI, that's at the peak of hype. 
And we're going to yeah. see some disillusionment. Oh, it can't do this, can't do that. But this has many years of going through and studies. Uh, and so we, we really are at a point where in the imaging space, this is practical, this is usable, this is going to deliver results in the near term for, for patients and for health systems. So the big difference between machine learning and AI to me always comes down to the math, right? And we've been doing math a very long time. So if I take two images of a person and I compare them, the math is going to show me the delta. The math is going to tell me essentially how something has grown or shrank or whatever. And then you compare that math to the other math that we've had with everyone else in all the other images. That's really different from the sort of consciousness that we're trying to approach with generative AI. And what generative means is once it generates this data, does it create something that's really actionable for you? Is it something that you can use and turn a return on your investment? And that's why we get so many perspectives on how large language in models interact in different situations or why you can't really write a great Taylor Swift song with AI, or if you can, right? Some of it's so subjective and we're the, still kind the of important things. Can we replicate Taylor Swift with, hey, with AI? Hey, national treasure, Bill, national treasure. I know, absolutely. I'm the problem, it's me, okay? Uh, absolutely, I did you get tickets? It's impossible. Uh, like I heard the debacle and then it, it just got to be ridiculous. A buddy of mine is actually a promoter. And so I'm not gonna say whether or not I got tickets, but thanks. <laughs> So they, they have to watch the video to tell whether you got That's the right. uh, That's right. That's got right. the tickets or not. I'm curious. I've I've been doing a bunch of 229 project roundtables, and I now routinely ask this question because when you bring up the word generative AI or just artificial intelligence, the problem is artificial intelligence now is getting lumped with generative AI, and they're like, oh, it's not ready, it's not ready. I'm like, hold on. There's a lot of different things around AI and we have things baked into the EHR already sure. that right. are AI based. So right. it's not like, I mean, we, we've been playing with this for many years. I agree that generative AI is the thing that hey, you could go to any cocktail party now. It's like, can you believe we can right. write a Taylor <laughs> Swift song? But I'm now asking this question on a scale of one to 10, one being, I don't know why we're talking about this 10 being, oh my gosh, I think we're at the moment where we're really going to see transformation happen as a result of AI in healthcare, as well as many other areas in our lives. Where do you fall on that scale? Do you fall just specific to healthcare? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk healthcare. One to 10, one being, Hey, we're not ready to talk about it yet. 10 being, yeah, this is, this is really going to be a moment and it's really going to change things. I'm going to go 7.5. Why is that? Yeah. So in healthcare, we still have a long way to go because of social determinants of health. And so while I want to say that the technology that we're using for clinical support and, and the machine learning and, and AI for medical imaging is going to help, it will, but the system itself needs to be able to support the, the other people, the ones at the edges. And so I don't want to act like an improvement in technology is going to all of a sudden result in medical adherence or access to care for people in disillusioned parts of the country. I don't want to ever be that guy. At the same token, it's phenomenal to think that new technologies that incorporate machine learning, AI, and specifically generative AI will be able to provide on-the-spot translation services for someone who's receiving medical assistance outside of their home country, or that generative AI is now going to be able to give suggestions for healthy behavior in the form of a text message or, or a TikTok or whatever for someone who's now managing a chronic illness. And as a result, that becomes really powerful to me in a way that I don't think 
think we can really even describe. Because if you've ever helped someone who's elderly to write to get care, and you're there as, as sort of a power of attorney in that particular case, you understanding it and being able to follow that is not going to be the same if that person can, if they can adopt those changes. And as we continue to get older in life, we have to make modifications. AI can do that. AI can know your schedule and it can interact with you looking at your actual reaction and start to create better human behavior. So the idea of say a sandbox AQ, right? Like the a company that's out there that's doing quantum magnetic sensing of, your, of the body. The idea that I could go to Walmart and get a, a quick scan of my heart, that's incredible. And when that gets sent to me and translated and says, hey, for people your age, your height in this part of the country who have eaten your diet and blah, 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 we see typically this kind of change in your ability, your heart's ability to function and cardiovascular illness or problems have been the number one source of death for the last 30 years. You put that in a meaningful way, now I'm a consumer of health. I went to Walmart, right? I buy one, get one free. Got some orange juice, got better on my heart. <laughs> <laughs> you're a pragmatist. Who knew that? No, but I, li I like the way you, I like the way you're saying it. It's like, yes, in some areas, this could be really transformative and it's going to be transformative pretty quickly. It's not like we're looking five, 10 years out. It's going to be transformative, but the, the core of what health is, it, it isn't necessarily solved by technology alone. There's an awful right. lot of other things. We'll get back to our show in just a minute. Our monthly leader series webinars has been a huge success. We had close to 300 people sign up for our September webinar, and we are at it again in October. We are going to talk about interoperability from a possibility standpoint. We talk a lot about what you need to do and that kind of stuff. This time we're going to talk about, hey, what's the future look like in a world where interoperability, where data, where information flows freely? And we're going to do that on October 5th at 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock Pacific time. We're going to talk about solutions. We're going to share experiences. We're going to talk about patient-centric care and see what we can find out. We have three great leaders on this webinar. Mickey Tripathi with the ONC, Marianne Yeager, Sequoia Project, and Anish Chopra, who I'm just going to call an interoperability evangelist, which is what he has been to me ever since I met him about 10 years ago. Don't miss this one. Register today at thisweekhealth.com. Now, back to our show. I think one of the most promising things I'm seeing is machines talking to machines. Mm. I, know, I know this scares people, but the, the concept of layered AI models, just like your brain, and essentially, I was talking to a, a health system that is putting in essentially all the logistics, not logistics is the wrong word, but anyway, the logistics for a patient to go to the health system. So mm. parking, location, check in all that stuff in and one of the things that he was talking about is we're probably going to be able to link that to drive times and traffic patterns and some other things and right. so you can actually have machines talking to machines creating a pretty good picture for somebody because machines track how many parking spots are available in a place right. and that kind of stuff and yeah. literally you can with a natural language front end say hey i need to get an mri today i'm thinking of going here where should i go and if the systems have been built to, with that, if they've been trained, I guess is the right word, with that information, we're going to be able to create some really neat interfaces for patients. And you described one of saying, hey, here's the scan. How should I think about this? Right. And it's going to give you, give you a response. Two things. One, I'm just going to touch on, mostly because I just want to touch on it for our viewers. And that's the August flash report came out from Kaufman Hall, and it showed a slight degradation in margins. 
Now it's still in the positive territory. I mean, for most of last year and early this year, it's in the negative territory. It's still in the positive territory, but it went down from July. So just wanted to make note of that. The story I want to talk to you about, again, only because I don't think people know how much of a technologist you are. I think they're getting a picture the more we talk. But I want to talk about this Intel announcement. One, because I like Pat Gelsinger, great guy. He went over to Intel. He's now leading the charge over there. And they announced a chip. So in their announcement, a chip that essentially has space on it to run large language models and those kinds of things. And the concept is you're going to be able to have a large language model on your chip. It'll run faster. And from a privacy and security standpoint, you're going to be able to keep the information right there on your PC right. instead of going out into the world. You read the announcement. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? So Pat Gelsinger, a big fan, obviously, right? And what did VMware do initially, right? We just gave you some sort of insight into your server. So insight into your server really just translated into the ability for you to run applications better, right? And more efficiently. Well, fast forward. What is he doing now? He's just trying to run the large language model more efficiently. So the idea of being able to run a large language model on a local machine, a laptop, means that we can obviously get a lot better access. And then, of course, if you can keep your data, we can also keep it more secure, right? One of the big announcements for VMware specifically was that we announced private AI, a private cloud. And so as data in some ways has become more siloed with some of the major hyperscalers, uh, we have people who are trying to open that up and to give you a better option option for the way that you access this new kind of generated content. But to be honest, I think it was, this was like four or five months ago, there was, they were talking about when uh, the Facebook large language model got leaked, that someone was able to iterate on a new sort of large language models that was 8 billion parameters or less and, and do it in less than a day on 3V100 NVIDIA chips. And th those aren't state-of-the-art by any shape, form, or fashion. Now, that's a very large model still. But as we continue to really understand the value of the model, I think what you'll do is it just in the same way you're talking about the organization sort of iterating and having machines talk to each other so that we can have better outcomes for the patient, you will essentially have the chip talking to the, the cloud, talking to the user that iterates in a better way so that the user itself gets a better experience for large language models on laptops. Talk to me about private AI. You said VMware announced private AI. We have this conversation a fair amount in terms of privacy, in terms of making sure that the doctors aren't putting information out there that they shouldn't put out there. We, But there's obviously a lot of information we have to protect in healthcare. What is a private AI model? Talk to me about the VMware announcement. Let's talk about that specifically. Oh, yeah. So I, again, I don't want to wave our flag too much here, but let's go back to the friend of yours. It was like, hey, we have a bunch of these images and we want to train the model on it. Okay. First, first question is, well, have you looked at the price of GPU? When you were saying that margins have shrunk, let's be honest, it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. Healthcare doesn't exist in a vacuum. And so if the cost of money is high to buy a house, the cost of everything right now with inflation is going to be up. And we don't think, at least no one that I've talked to, and I think JP Morgan backed this up in the last conference, the cost of nurses has increased, right? Right. So if everything else is increased in terms of cost, then it makes sense that we would have reducing margins. Well, if the cost of GPUs is up, what do you think is going to happen to the cost of your data in the cloud once you start to try, try to shift massive amounts of images into the cloud to then start running models in it? That's going to be a, a major cost. And have you how do you account for that? No one's really dealt with that data set yet, right? So you they could guess what it's going to cost you in terms of getting the model up there, running it, and how fast you're going to be able to iterate. But let me just throw a crazy idea. Instead of having it 
in the public cloud. Maybe you put it in the private cloud. Maybe you don't want to give your data to a hyperscaler, not because they would ever do anything wrong with it, wink, right? But because you feel better from a security standpoint of having that. So the idea of having private AI is that you could do this and run these models in a cloud of your choosing. It sticks with the old VMware model of any device, any workload, anywhere, except for the fact that now that we look at large language models and we really start to think about how they run, let's optimize it. I'm in favor of private cloud, but I'm also in favor, really, of you running it on prem because of those margins we just talked about, right? Let's use what you have on site to be able to run as many of the models on premise as possible using newer technologies that allow you to like fractionalize GPUs, et cetera. And let's make the most of your current investment before we go out and spend a lot on generative AI and not get 1989 from Taylor Swift, right? You only get something far less. I'm joking, but I'm saying you're spending a lot of money without really knowing what the return on the investment is. And that's why it's located where it is in the hype cycle like Gartner. You know, it's interesting. A lot of healthcare has contracts with Microsoft, right? So we, all of us were using Microsoft. We had a contract and Microsoft's coming in and saying essentially, hey, we can give you private access to open AI. But the, the reality of that is you, you do have those costs. You do have those costs associated with moving that kind of information or the amount of information you're talking about up there. And one of the things I heard recently was just the, the squeeze that was put on a lot of IT shops over sure. the last year, there was a inflation is real and yep. there was a significant increase in a majority of the enterprise contracts, including the cloud contracts and the storage contracts and those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of organizations were so on the hype cycle and they started to think about training the models and then they said, wait, how long is it going to take to train? Now, we've obviously moved past that. A lot of organizations are starting with a base level algorithm and then modifying it from there in terms of tuning it. We've got a great partnership with Hugging Face. Everyone loves Hugging Face. And I think that's due to the way that you can train the model now, right? However, if we are really going to be honest, if we are looking at reducing or sorry, decreasing margins. We really want to think about how we optimize that. And I would hate to be that CIO, that CTO that's throwing out this big plan for LLM without really understanding what it's going to be in terms of cost, because we don't want to get this time next year and then say, okay, well, we weren't able to execute on other visions or optimizing the system for our current patients because we made a big outsource. And it's not like healthcare hasn't done that before, but I would prefer to try to help as many organizations avoid that as possible. Cameron Llewellyn, just amazing, a great conversation as always. Coming off a conference, which I'm sure you got tons of sleep, was it pretty well attended? It really was. It really was. So Oracle really can put on a show. I Again, I had not been to an Oracle conference before. I'm very familiar with Cerner. Cerner was different. Definitely slimmed down on the Cerner side just because of the fact that they're moving that into being part of the greater organization. But it was really good to connect with the people on the ground and, and talk about real life use cases, understand the challenges that they have in using Cerner, what they want Cerner to do. Uh, Oracle is really great about taking feedback and from all of our, all the partners, but then really they were really invested in listening to the customers and what they kind of wanted to see. I'm hoping that COVID doesn't have another iteration and that I get a chance to go again. Maybe I'll see you there. Yeah, we will see. Cameron, thanks for your time. Always great to talk to you. Thank you so much, Bill. And that is the news. If I were a CIO today, I think what I would do is I'd have every team member listening to a show just like this one and trying to have conversations with them after the show about what they've learned and what we can apply to our health system. If you want to support This Week Health, one of the ways you can do that is you can recommend our channels to a peer or to one of your staff members. We have two channels, This Week Health Newsroom and This Week Health Conference. You can check them out anywhere you listen to podcasts, which is 
a lot of places, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, you name it, you can find it there. You can also find us on YouTube. And of course, you can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com. And we want to thank our Newsday partners, again, a lot of them, and we appreciate their participation in this show. Cedar sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSite, Lumion, and VMware, who have invested in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.